episode 475, Embrace Your Masculine or Feminine Sexuality, with Victoria Vivez Kuong. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to land your TEDx talk in 90 days or less without wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there, talkaccelerator.com forward slash masterclass. That's talkaccelerator.com. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. All links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes at ayalpha.com. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Right, this week is all about divine sexuality. We have Victoria Vives Kuang on the line. She's got a diverse and colorful history, and so that gives her a unique perspective to talk about all of the things we're going to be talking about today. She's an international speaker, teacher, teacher even, martial arts and action actress, singer-songwriter, radio host, podcast host. Victoria, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Oh my goodness, I'm so ready. <laughs> awesome. That was quite a brief introduction to you. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? That was pretty good, actually. I think you com com uh, comprised everything pretty good. <laughs> so I'm pretty happy with that presentation. Thank you, Adam. Wow. And we're going to touch on your um, origins as well. You were raised, I mean, in your words, the ghettos of Spain, which I'm really interested to dig into that. So you're from Spain originally. And uh, where are you speaking to us from today? Tell us a little bit about the journey. Yes, so right now I'm so grateful to be in sunny California. Not that I don't love Spain, it's amazing and I love it. And it has changed a lot since I was small. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in what I call a ghetto-like neighborhood because it was actually the neighborhood where prison was. So oh, okay. jail was, <laughs> yeah. it was like, it was known for that. <laughs> so it was in the best environment. And there was a lot of, um, drugs and a lot of poverty so it was a challenging place to live in at the mm. same time it taught me many things that I'm so glad I learned so it really helped me develop resiliency and develop strength and being able to be in any environment otherwise I would feel that I'm only like feeling like I need to be protected whereas I feel that I can be for example, in, in, in neighborhoods that might be not so good and feel like I'm at home, actually. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And usually I ask the awakening moment and like that's a tough upbringing and people can kind of go either way. And that can, like you say, it can make you resilient and strengthen you and you can go down the wrong path or, you know, you can get out of that environment or do some great things in your life. What was really your awakening moment? And I know you had a near-death experience that might be relevant to talk about now. You tell me important pivot points in your life. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. So um, I feel that a lot of it was part of my 
desire in my inner light that always guided me to go to something greater, something better. So I was always like trying to convince the people in my neighborhood, oh, we can do this, we can do that. Yeah, we don't need to stay in this state. You know, we can truly accomplish things. There is a greater potential that we can accomplish, but didn't really work. So I I had to go to a different neighborhood and start working um, my career in television. Actually, I was one of the first black faces that made it into Spanish television because <laughs> yeah to give you an idea I didn't meet other black friends until I was 14. Wow. Yes yeah, so my I grew up with my mom my aunt and my grandmother and they are half German so wow. I couldn't relate to anybody around me so that was no. interesting. Yeah because I, I don't know that is it I'm glad you brought it up because I, I grew up obviously I grew up in uh, England uh, crawling near Gatwick Airport very multicultural environment like I, I i don't even i can't pinpoint like when i saw certain nationalities or countries and it's just a mixing melting pot and like i feel like in a good way that no one's gonna feel isolated like they're the only person who looks a certain way we just have a big mix going on there um and that seems to be that a lot of um, you know england but in a good way that you know no one probably feels isolated and like that's that's i can't believe that till he was 14 that's crazy it was crazy. So I remember visiting England and being like, oh my God, there is people like me. <laughs> <laughs> we got all sorts over there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy here in Los Angeles. And of course, Spain has changed a lot. And now you can see also that melting pot. Yes. But at that time, it was just I had to leave my neighborhood in, in a way and making a new life for myself. And even then, I still had the connection with the ghetto I was coming from. So I was with the bad guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and getting into dark places a little bit, even though I still had my light inside. But yeah, but that was, was obviously that was your environment. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. So I finally, with these friends that, I, you know, I, I really, I'm very appreciative of them and the experience that they got me into but I had my near-death experience. So I drowned in the ocean, which was- You drove in the ocean? I drowned in the ocean, which was super scary. I had a little bit of fear. So I was... did you say you almost drowned in the ocean or you drove in the ocean? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I just had pictures of you driving <laughs> off a pier or off a cliff into the ocean. <laughs> that would be more This exciting. is more like a Hollywood movie. See, that's what exciting, I've got in my head, Hollywood exciting. movies. Okay. Oh, we can do a remake of this story. <laughs> I like my version. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's add that. <laughs> Sorry, back to you. This is your yeah. drone, <laughs> like like submerged yes. myself in the water. <laughs> so I, yeah, I always since I was small, I had a little bit of fear of water. Mm. But my friends wanted wanted to scuba dive, uh, so I went with them. Normally, you train a little bit beforehand, yeah. but they said, "Oh no, we just go right into it, and we go oh, to the no. deeper waters." And and my equipment was all faulty. So I couldn't actually breathe oxygen, so I just was breathing water, and finally, I drowned. Yeah, it was a long story. I actually, yeah, I actually shared everything in my book. Yeah. <laughs> so subtle. I like it. There we go. <laughs> no, but we, so did they have to revive you? I mean, when you like, how bad was it? Was you under the water? Like, did anyone notice? Because it sounds like your friends were not particularly health and safety conscious here, or looking out for you. You know, you're right on that. They were not. So it was supposed to be something safe where one of them was an instructor and would take care of me and my 
boyfriend at the time. Uh, but he was very entertained with the beautiful pebbles in the water. So I was like, ah! oh and he was God. like, oh, pretty, pretty pebble. <laughs> and I was like, ah! Oh <laughs> so finally God. I realized I'm on my own and I did my best. Um, I, it was a very dark time. So yeah. on a regular basis, I was like, I just don't want to be alive. That was my, my mantra at that time. You know, I just don't want to live. And when I saw myself facing this, like I was not going to live anymore, I said, you know, actually, I really want to survive. I want to live. I want to be alive. So I put all my strength and I just did my best to, to swim to the coast. And I, I reached the coast. They told me later that I reached the coast. I went up, but I fell. So it seems that I lost consciousness and they had to bring me out of the water. I remember myself on the floor of the ocean, seeing myself from outside of my body and just feeling total peace, like just feeling total uh, union with everything around me and all the fear, all the stress, all the terrible emotions that I had experienced, they all ceased. And now I just felt so peaceful and, and, and well, I wanted to ask you about fear and you said it all just le like left, but in terms of fear, when you realize you're, you know, you're in trouble in the water and you are on your own, talk to us about the fear. Cause in terms of like people's fear, you know, you've got fear of death, fear of public speaking. And when you talk about fear of death, a lot of times people's drowning is one of the ones that people are like is way up there for people. So talk to us about when you, your, your, your fear and your mindset, when you realized you're in real trouble here. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm a warrior, <laughs> so I knew I would not let anything like that happen without me putting every inch of myself to overcome it. So that was what made me not sink in the fear so much. But of course, I was terrified. I was feeling I'm on my own, like nobody is going to see me, help me. I even wave to, to the people on the coast and, and they didn't understand that I was asking for, for help and they started laughing. So it's like, this is going to be my last <laughs> connection with somebody, somebody laughing at me, you know, because they didn't understand what was happening. Maybe they thought, oh, just come with me or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so it was I was terrified, of course. I was terrified that those would be my last moments and that I invited the universe to do that for me because I was desiring on a regular basis not to be alive. Mm. So it felt like, you know, I have asked for this. And, yeah. and it was a wrong request. How did things change or did they change quickly after that or, you know, after that near-death experience? So how did things change after that? everything changed instantly after i went out of uh, they they carried me and they did the, the resuscitation mm -hmm. so i i came back um so i had an experience on the other side and finally i started slowly reconnecting with this side <laughs> so as i came back everything was different because i had a, an experience that was unlike any other that i had before mm -hmm. And as I came back, everything was so precious, Adam. It was just like, oh my goodness, just looking and being able to use my eyes to look at the ceiling. It's like, this is so precious to have this opportunity to be alive, to just by 
an apple, you know, mm. bite an apple and the juiciness and the, the amazing experience of our physical senses. This was like a gift that I never understood before in the same way. So that was just the, the very beginning and it brought me into a journey that totally transformed my life. Yeah. How long ago was that experience? And then obviously I know you've made your way to America. You know, you, you, like you said, you got onto TV and you're in LA now. Talk to us about how you got to this point and right up to kind of present day. Yeah, so when, I, when this happened, I was working in television already. So yeah, I worked in television for many years. And, and then after that, I still stayed in Spain, but I started exploring other things like healing arts and martial arts. And that brought a, a totally different dimension to my life. And, and actually martial arts, it was a little bit what brought me to the U.S. to live here. And I started working in different films and, and I became very successful. Like if you go to my YouTube channel for martial arts, I have like five or six million views for my martial arts videos. Very cool. Very so cool. it was what, something... What, what martial arts in particular? Or is it kind of all sorts or what is your... Yeah, you know, I'm... I, I'm an artist. I consider myself an artist. So for me, it's the beauty of, of just the martial arts. And I learned, um, let's see. So I started with Wing Chun. Then I continue with some Shaolin. I continue with just every single style, even Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But then I became a Jeet Kune Do instructor, <laughs> which was very unlike me because I was more into the art. But um, I met my husband and, and his you know, martial artist since he was four. So because of that, I finally gave in <laughs> and I learned martial arts, uh, Did you ever think of going down the route of, you know, women's UFC, for example, is so popular and just been a huge, <laughs> but obviously you do get your face smashed in quite a bit. Uh, exactly. it's, not, it's an art form, but you do get smashed. So what are your thoughts around that? Did you ever think, hmm, maybe, or did you think actually I'd prefer being healthy practicing the art and looking good and not getting my face smashed for money. I'm so happy you asked that. So <laughs> it was all about arts uh, for movies and all of that. But then when I started teaching, there is a lot of sparring mm. and I'm very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> so I was mostly training with guys and I love to just, you know, being yeah. able to ah. beat, beat, beat people up like me. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, so I enjoyed it so much. I became so competitive, Adam, that I wanted to compete. So I said to my husband, okay, let's get me ready. I want to compete. And he, he entertained the idea like, okay. But recently he told me, no, I would never let you <laughs> do that. But I was very decisive. Like, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going yep. to compete. Yeah, I'm going to kick ass here. But <laughs> finally, I, I felt, you know, I didn't really have bad fights in my life it has been mostly sparring but i did have a couple in spain yeah. you know okay. being in those groups yes i did have a couple and i normally don't tend to to want to hurt anybody so yeah. they the only reason why i hurt them is because they started yes. hurting me so because of that they got beat beaten up <laughs> <laughs> it was their fault <laughs> but um at this point i just felt i just don't believe in hurting somebody i don't want to be hurt so i switched completely into energy healing and there were a lot of things that happened at the time um so i just felt that i was using my power 
too much in, in ways that it wasn't balanced. So I decided, you know, I'm going to switch. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm going to do healing arts now and I'm going to uh, become a teacher for healing arts. So I started with that. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income and impact. Get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over Talk X C E L E R A T O R.com forward slash masterclass really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Talk to us of some of your highlights. I, I mean, for me, when I looked at your stuff, like obviously the Olympic circles, I asked about that before the interview. That stood out for me. I know you ESPN. Um, there was another award. I can't even remember now. But there was, in terms of the kind of the entertainment industry, what are some of the highlights for you? And please do mention just even briefly about the, the, the link to the Olympics as well. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's so fun to work in, in entertainment. Mm, I met amazing people like Diana Rose. Uh, so I, I was able to, to do um, background box, uh, vocals for her in Spain. And, and she was the most sweet person. Like she was just talking to us like, oh, you guys are so beautiful. And we were like, oh, you are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I worked with Robbie Williams in uh, MTV Europe, uh, Europe Music Awards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, one of the things that was amazing is to be in the Olympic Games candidacy. So I was part of compose, uh, choreographing, yeah. writing uh, one of the songs and performing it. So, wow. so it was super exciting because I mean, Olympic Games, um, growing up, I wanted to be an athlete and so just... So did I. I was, yeah. I know about your story, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to assume, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be an athlete. I had the potential. I was the best time at school. Um, and it just, I just didn't want to be so muscular. So that's the only reason what why. Sort of, what sort of event or did you lean towards or at that stage? Speed, just running as fast as nobody else. It was like speed. That was like amazing. Well, I think, I, in terms of like, you know, the, especially in athletics, track and field, the body shapes, I feel like the, for, for females as well, like the 800, obviously like if you're talking about the muscular physique, once you start getting to 400 or go down to 400, twos ones they get that, that physique gets a lot more powerful 800 obviously is is i think is a really nice physique in or out of, a, of athletics kind of thing and then 1500 obviously gets even more slender going towards like the longer distances of marathons so yeah i'm just, just <laughs> i like 100 100 like yeah as fast as i can for a short period of time and in Spain, I was the only black for, uh, yeah. I knew for years. So my legs were already so muscular comparing to my friends. Yes. I said, I don't want to have more of that, it. Again, we got to put ourselves into your environment. Like you said, in that environment, you know, yeah. In a different environment, you'd be like, hey, this is normal. Not a problem. Exactly. Um, yeah. I always think of um, for the 100 meters as well, female and men. I always think of, especially for the, the men's 100, these obviously real big, powerful guys. And then do you remember um, Kim Collins from St. Kitts and Nevis? real little slim guy and he just had a long career and again like all these guys and a lot of them probably taking <gasps> performance and hearts and drugs massive guys i've interviewed tim montgomery actually for the show the world record holder oh. for 100 meters and Amazing. he said like the whole lineup you know very powerful guys and then you have kim collins who looks like 
I don't know. He, he obviously he's trained a lot, but he has not built that way. And he's just like a just, and he was, you know, and he's been around for a long time. Just, I love it when you get the exception to the rule. And even yeah. the same bolt when he came along, you know, he was not your typical, um, you know, hundred meter runner initially at that stage. So anyway, mm. we, we, we go off on the sidetrack here, but <laughs> <laughs> so for you and you know, some of these cool things, MTV, the telly awards winner and the Olympic games and ESPN, what was a moment like you feel like your alpha moment where you just stopped for a second and was just like, Hey, this is a cool moment. Like it may not be the obvious ones that we're talking about, or I would say, Hey, that's very cool. But you're just like, this is a bit of a surreal moment. Oh, I have had a few to come to mind. So one of them was, I was performing with somebody that actually people thought it was Michael Jackson. Okay. So <laughs> okay. this was, this was a huge celebration in Spain with, I don't know, 50,000 spectators in a huge stadium. And it was just amazing, the energy. And I just really felt I'm dancing with Michael Jackson because it was so powerful. Yeah. And I remember that energy, like one of the most incredible uh, energies I felt in my life. So that was one. Yeah. And then the second one was me performing my own songs. Uh, for 10,000 people and just the audience being com completely captivated and cheering me on and super happy. And it was, you know, I was new in, in, in that market. So it was an amazing experience. So that 10,000 audience, where was that? That was in Spain. You know, I had the amazing honor to meet my two childhood idols. And one was Alaska, uh, who, who is a very famous singer in Spain and in South America. Mexico, South America. So I opened for her concert yeah. and I had 10,000 people just watching like mesmerized and really engaged. So for me to have that singing my songs that I created for helping people transform in a way that was fun, <laughs> it was a, a gift. It was one of the highest moments in my career. And now we're going to move into the alpha round. So I'd like to start that off with, is there a particular favorite quote or just something that really sums up the, your approach to life? I would say everything is possible. So never give up, practice resiliency, perseverance, and don't, don't let the naysayers tell you otherwise. Just Ooh. go get it. I like it when you said the naysayers. It reminded me of Arnold Schwarzenegger then for a second. <laughs> like he's got, a, you know, that's one of his rules is like his Arnold's rules for success. Ignore the naysayers. I like that. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and was there a particular impactful book for you that you've ever read or it's just something that you like to recommend to people you think it's a, it's a good read? Wow. Um, I devour, especially audiobooks. I like, I feel that I just need to continuously, I don't know, just inspire myself. Of course, I have yours here. <laughs> oh, there we go. Really good. <laughs> oh, well, that is a beautiful book. Yeah, a, gr a great recommendation. I'm just going to say that's your, your, your favorite book of all time. I see that. <laughs> so is, is there any others that spring to mind or a specific recommendation? Yes, of not, let's see. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's a tough one because I'm seriously devouring books. <laughs> it's mostly audiobooks. Um, you know, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Sorry. Um, no worries. No worries. Um, <laughs> and from your network, I mean, you've 
you've covered a lot. You've been, you know, you've had a quite a journey and you've been to some very cool stuff. I mean, if you've, if you, some of these celebrities, if you're on first name terms, please uh, recommend them. But who would be a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha that you can either hmm. recommend or connect who from your whole network, you're like, this is the one person. When I think Awaken Your Alpha, you need to talk to this person. Well, the person, uh, let's see, Steve Olsher, did you have him here? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. What? I know because it's one of the problem with them sort of situations. Yes, Steve, we are going to have you. It's like we said, yeah, we'd do it both ways. And oh. just because I'm talking to him quite a lot with the podcast magazine and other things, the media summit. And, you know, we're always busy doing other things. And we, we it's like, <laughs> it's going to happen. But yeah, you're right. And whenever, you know. Oh, yeah, I cannot a, believe it, Adam. Yes, That's so how we no one's re You've recommended him now, so I really, I'll get onto it. Let's just remind. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, good, good recommendation. <laughs> there we go. And if people want to continue the conversation, what is the best way to connect with you and find out more? Right now, I'm so focused on my divine sexuality work and reignite this their sexual life. To connect with me at victoriavives.com forward slash divine. Perfect. And because you got such an interest in origins and backstory, we really, and I go, we, we did, we kind of said we're going to talk about divine sexuality. So I really want to wrap this up with all about kind of divine sexuality and ways potentially people are struggling with it, ways they can unleash it, unlock it, awaken it. So this, I really want to dig into divine sexuality to close the show out for the next five minutes or so. Please do. The floor is your, what are some of you know, your thoughts around this concept? Yes. Yeah, so for women, for us, living in this world that is so masculine and so, um, you know, like we, we don't really connect with our femininity. So we are sometimes squeezing down our femininity. We feel depleted. We feel um, also sometimes we are seen as slutty if we are too sexual. Mm -hmm. And we start repressing our sexuality and that gives us so much pain inside and we are losing our strength our our blossoming nature our nurturing nature so i really recommend for women to start embracing that aspect that is sexuality and that aspect that is reconnecting with our bodies sometimes we see the stereotypes in the media i mean i come from entertainment so you can imagine how that mm -hmm. was for me mm -hmm. to always have to make sure that you look in a certain way and then understand, you know, we are all beautiful women. We all have special things. Of course, it's good to take care of our bodies, but loving ourselves for who we are. We go sometimes into the numbness trap, what I call the numbness trap. That is, we start disconnecting from our sexuality and our relationships because sometimes we have trauma, hidden trauma. Yeah. And we start just becoming workaholics. And I have been there, just working, 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 just to not face all this pain so hey women we really need to change this <laughs> start getting together and understand that we are here for each other we are all going through the same pain the same trauma and we can truly transform this for generations to come i really would love to work with any of you so my ebook um, is for free available at victoriavives.com forward slash divine and that's a great beginning. I also have a Facebook group where we start the conversation and also you can ask me questions that I can address in the podcast. So I would love 
to support you. And I mean, touching on that, you said that's a great starting point. If someone's listening to this, what would be kind of something practical they can think about now or maybe a, or even identify that maybe they haven't really fully embraced their sexuality? Yeah. So as women, we don't need to act like men. Like I understand we want uh, our success. We want to be recognized, but we don't need to necessarily achieve that in the masculine way. So if we are act acting in the masculine way, we're going to be more like um, almost more pushy sometimes. <laughs> so we have to learn a little bit more about allowing, just centering in ourselves instead to go after things, just centering in ourselves and start connecting with our womb. So whether a woman uh, has the physical womb or not, all women have the energetic womb and just connecting with that energy every day on a daily basis. And from there, see what, what are the energies of the day, what you are feeling called to do that day. That's your femininity, that's your force as a woman of allowing things into manifestation, of course, taking the steps, but bringing that part and also practicing self-care, super important. Taking moments during the day, if you are working on your computer all day, just put the alarm every hour and take five minutes every hour to reconnect with that femininity, whether it is just placing the hands on the area of the womb or putting some music and just dancing, allowing that sensuality to come back and exude so that it uh, goes into your work that you are doing. You feel that inspiration or smelling some essential oils and getting connected with our senses, our femininity. I really recommend to do this on a daily basis because otherwise we, we get into our work and we get we forget. And then our beloveds are waiting in bed wanting to be intimate with us and we're like in our heads. <laughs> so we want to make sure we are in our bodies too. Awesome. Well, <laughs> Victoria, it's been an absolute pleasure today and the time has flown. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam. I am so excited to be on your show. This is great work that you are doing. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass, and you can get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader in under 12 months without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.